Congratulations! You've been accepted into the inaugural class of Therapy for Black Girls University. Whether packing for a new year on campus, thinking through your gap year, enrolling in a community college, or grabbing your skills for graduation, TBGU is here to help you thrive at this stage of your life and beyond. Hi, I'm Zaria Taylor, and I'm the TBG podcast production intern. We'll return to Jaina right after the break. I've seen quite a few videos on social media recently of young women soliciting help in finding the perfect dress for graduation. Might I suggest you add Macy's to your list? They have lots of options for dresses that will transition perfectly from under your gown to that incredible dinner with family after the ceremony. Check out options from brands like On 34th, Michael Kors, DKNY, and many more. Shop at Macy's.com or in store. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Buying your first car can make you feel like a superstar as it's a big purchase, but it can take time to get there. Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. Your professors and older mentors have probably nagged you at least once about creating a LinkedIn profile. And while it may be easy to roll your eyes at this request, when utilized correctly, professional platforms like LinkedIn can be your gateway into securing your next internship or job opportunity. Joining me today to discuss how she's leveraged online platforms for career success is photographer and full-time student, Denise Stephanie Hewitt. Since her debut magazine cover for Marie Claire at 17, Denise's work has graced Vogue, Hype Bay, V Magazine, and more. Denise was dubbed the NYU student, ditching class to shoot the Met Gala by Cultured Magazine. In our discussion today, Denise and I explain what things should and should not be on your LinkedIn, how to strike a balance between personal identity and professionalism, and advice for impressing your employers in an internship. Here's our conversation. Thank you for talking with me today. I'm really excited about our conversation. I personally need this advice that you're about to give and all these gems you're about to tell us. And I know that our community is going to be really excited to hear this as well. So to start off, since you were a teen, you lived a Hannah Montana double life as a photographer and a full-time student. Looking back, what do you think gave you the confidence to know you could succeed at both? I just had a hunger for it. For me, it was never a question of could it work, but how can I make it work? I'd see these big opportunities for myself and just think, am I really going to pass this up? 
just because of a schedule change or just because I have some homework assignments that I need to do. So I just always just had that confidence and that hunger for it. For example, when I was looking at my first photography gig, I thought, okay, if I take this job, it's from four to six, and then I just need to leave my art class 15 minutes early just to get there on time. I can do my homework as soon as I get home, right after the commute, and then I could just make it happen. So I just knew that there are things that are flexible within my schedule that I can just rearrange, play Tetris with a bit just to make things happen and go after things because there are such opportunities that really can push forward your entire career, which is where I'm at right now. So I had to do it. And also I have no choice. I'm a perfectionist too. So, you know, whatever homework needed to get done was going to get done somehow. And it's also too, because I was on scholarship. So I knew that to stay in good academic standing, I needed that. And also just me with my high standards, again, perfectionism, I was not letting myself see a low GPA. So (laughs) I was going to make it work no matter what. My parents, I say, definitely had a hand in just encouraging me to be hungry and wanting to try everything. Like they had me doing gymnastics, tennis, soccer, like all the sports. You know, I just tried everything when I was younger. So that hunger and desire to just see where things go has always been a part of my upbringing. So yeah, I didn't know that I was getting into what would be an entire photography career when I started, but I just knew that it was something I was interested in. And I, I guess my overall thing is that I only know how to put my all into things. It's all or nothing for me. Right. No, I completely relate to the perfectionism, all or nothing mindset, and just the grind mentality. And that takes a lot of balance and a lot of honesty with yourself of what you can handle. So I definitely relate to that. Are there any photographers or media girlies that you look up to? Okay. Anaya Gold. Not a photographer, but she's a PR girly. I love her. Her story itself is amazing because she started off on Broadway and then did this transition into PR and is working with all of the dope Black creative brands that I personally love. So she, top tier, love her. Photographers, I'd say Sophia Wilson. She's also was in my department at a point as well at NYU. Adrienne Raquel, like her colors are amazing in her photos. And also just friends around me, they keep me grounded and excite me to continue working in the industry because I know that when we get older, we are going to be the ones that we all work with. So it's just going to be like working with friends and people you came up with. So, Right. And how did growing up in New York City shape what you thought was possible for your career? When I was younger, I don't think I truly understood how big the city was. But as I grew in high school, I think I came to understand the mentality. There's this innate go-getter mentality where every move is powerful and also purposeful and intentional. So I think there's a self-awareness about that that teaches you to be very, very decisive and just like go. So between my parents and also the city, I think that definitely rubbed off on me in terms of how I carry myself. And I think it was really when I started to go to the gallery openings at my job. And that's where I really got to see how big the industry is and also the different sectors and what people do. And then just seeing around me the creatives that would put on shows and seeing other Black women photographers and just all the creatives convening in one space, I understood just how much of the industry is rooted here. 
and how expansive also the city is in terms of cross disciplines. So I didn't get it at first when I was coming up, but once I got into the space, that's when you see things really and the kind of worlds colliding and combining. Yeah. Do you think you have to live in New York City or another major city to have a creative career? No. It makes it easier, though. One thing that I love about this city is that it feels like here you bump into people so much more often. And also, things are convenient to get to. Events end up in similar places. And just there's the balance that you can have where you can go to the cafe here, take a meeting, and then you can go two blocks down to the galleries right there. So I think it definitely has plus sides to it, but it's not necessarily needed. A lot of creatives have come from areas that may not have such expansive art scenes, but have come to be some of our favorite artists. So I think it's definitely the ease of it being in New York, but I don't think it's 100% necessary. There's always a creative need, whether that's photos or videos for other people that want to capture memories or capture events. So it just depends on what you're looking for and what your niche is, I'd say. Yeah. It reminds me of this concept that like the major cities like New York City, Chicago are similar to a college campus. So everything is walkable. You have your cafe, you have your library, you have everything you need in walkable distance. And that increases people's likelihood to connect and to learn more people and to experience more things. So it definitely reminds me of this new topic that's popping up around comparing colleges to these major cities. When choosing the college you wanted to attend, how important was selecting a school that nurtured slash would allow you to pursue your creative passions and connect with the city freely? Absolutely top of mind. I pretty much only applied to big city schools. And that was for a few reasons. One, because I knew that I wanted to still pursue photography or being in a creative field to some degree. So whether that was going to be my minor or continue to do freelance and seeing what was out there, I needed it to be in another big city like that. Or I really just, honestly, let me be so real. I wanted to stay in New York (laughs) because my (laughs) network is here. And I really wanted to continue to build that, especially because I was starting in high school. I had only been doing it for three years and I was starting to see growth that I wanted to make sure that I followed up on. So a lot of the schools I applied to were just in New York. Secondly, I'm just a city girl. Like I can't, I can't do suburbs. <laughs> Even though where I'm at, it's close to where you can get like that busy avenue, but still you can have that kind of quieter area of the city. I need that convenience. My bodega is not down the road. Like that's, <laughs> that's a problem. <laughs> that's an issue. And so, yeah, I just had that as top of mind, honestly, with locations. I only applied to New York schools in LA. So, yeah, that was really critical part of it because no matter if my major was going to be photography, which NYU was the only place I applied to as a photo major, or it was going to be like business or marketing or communications, I needed it to be in an area that would nurture that and also nurtured my need to walk everywhere record speed. So yeah. Gotcha. I'm curious. Tell me about a time when you had a photography gig interfere or take precedence over school. How did you approach balancing the demands of college with your career pursuits? So many times. 
so, so many times. Last semester, especially, I was working on a global campaign. I still can't say what it is. So look out for that. But it was a global campaign. I dreamed of working with this brand. When I tell you, you can find it in interviews. Like I've been talking about it for a minute. And when I tell you, I worked on that project every single day. It was giving full-time job, honestly. (laughs) Tight turnaround, meetings almost every day, casting, location scout, like the whole nine yards. I'll say probably like a quarter of the meetings were taking place while I was supposed to be doing something else or while I was doing something else. I literally have a video of me. I'm an RA on campus. I literally have a video of me doing a pitch update meeting while I was logging packages for my residents and like logging them away. It was, it was crazy. It was demanding, but I'm so excited for it to come out and I know it's going to be good. I've seen the final photos and we're like talking about installation and all that. So it's going to be great, but it's a daily struggle. So whether that was like freshman year, me having to be on class on Zoom, it was so much easier then. And then doing a photo shoot or telling my professor, hey, like, I'm going to be missing class because I have to shoot the Met Gala really quick. (laughs) Sorry about that. I'll do my assignment later. I'll get it to you, I promise. Like, it's, that's been my entire career. And so it's bittersweet that I'm coming to the end of my college career this semester. That double life is not easy, but... (laughs) It can be done. That's so real. (laughs) That is all so real. (laughs) When I think of balancing a thriving career in school, I also think about the need for rest and unplugging. So what does that look like for you? It's something I'm still learning what I actually appreciate. I think for me, it typically starts with a topicals eye mask. I won't even lie. It's the smallest thing, but it works. Like it just does wonders. I don't know. But yeah, so... Top of those eye masks, even if I don't have the full time to do it, like, or really take the time to not do anything, throw one of those on. I don't know, like, healing powers. But I think what else, too, is I have been heavy into music forever. It's a critical part of my upbringing, for sure, too. So I think a lot of my time is also spent just building playlists out and organizing it by transition and like by vibe and curating the entire thing that is my like happy place I could do that for hours I often do it for hours and lose track of time and then also reading I'm getting back into reading I did this past year over the summer I started off with this book Home Bodies by Timmy Dentonhurst and she she can write her ass off I don't know if I'm supposed to not swear she's so good at what she does and that was a really good introduction back into reading I think the power of reading for me is that I can slow my mind and train myself to slow my mind, especially because I'm running around doing all the things all at once, being able to take my time and like read words on a page and also like have something tactile that I'm like interacting with as I go along. I think it's almost a meditative process for me. So yeah, I've enjoyed reading for sure. I relate to all three. Mine, I'm a topical eye mask girl, but I'm also a Trader Joe's lemongrass body oil girl. Ooh, Put okay. it on in the morning. It's, a- it's an amazing scent. It just wakes me up and it gets me going. But I definitely relate to making playlists for hours on end and also picking reading back up. I think in college, it's so hard to like read for yourself. And so a mission of mine last year, similar to you, like in the summertime, was to slow my mind down 
pick up a book and read some words that are on your phone or on TikTok or on Instagram. So I definitely relate to all of that. I'm also going to expose myself. No shame. I'm a cartoon girl. So it just feeds my inner child. I'm sorry. I'm going to expose myself, but I love the Bratz animated TV shows. Period. The TV episodes of Bratz. I'm sorry. That is like, it's iconic. And that just, it feeds my inner child. It really does. And it warms my younger self that watch those four girls navigate friendship, building a cool magazine, travel the world. <laughs> that was my dream. And funny enough, though, what am I doing now? I'm a media girl doing exactly. similar things and finding my friends in that space. So yeah, no, the Bratz girls, like, yeah, they, they were, girls. yeah, they were those girls, period. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Zaria Taylor and I'm the TBG podcast production intern. We'll return to Jaina right after the break. Attention all last minute shoppers. Just a reminder that Mother's Day is May 12th. And if you're like me, you're still trying to figure out the perfect gift for the amazing moms in your life. But no worries, Macy's has got you covered. They've got gift guides to make shopping a breeze. Whether you're looking for the perfect pieces for your fashionista mom or for your best friend who's celebrating her very first Mother's Day this year, you can shop by price, by category, and they even have specialty lists to help focus you even more, like a list for the mom who has it all and a list of items that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. Right now, some of this year's hottest items include digital picture frames and Polaroid cameras. With the help of their gift guides, I'm sure you'll find just the right thing. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Growing up watching media legends like Gwen Ifill and Robin Roberts always gave me the security that stories that matter to me would be told. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get podcasts. So let's get into the moment that we've been waiting for. Let's talk about LinkedIn. So can you give us a rundown of the platform like we're five-year-olds? What is LinkedIn? I like to think of LinkedIn as your receipt. When you 
gets that door, you show them, listen, these are all the things that I've done and I deserve to be here or to leave the door. But LinkedIn is so easy, I think, especially in the amount of features on the platform to just keep that record up to date. It's so important to remember to check off and also update that because this is like your record of everything you've done. And it's also public too. I honestly use LinkedIn like it's a social media, like argue with somebody else, but it truly is. So it's such a useful tool. Thank you for that breakdown. And I would love to hear your thoughts on how LinkedIn helped you get to where you are now. Before I even get to the positions that I landed, LinkedIn just simply as a research tool is so critical. I feel like especially going into creative fields where the industry is so mystifying and it's just, it's a mystery about the different jobs and roles and how you can even be involved. LinkedIn showed me what those roles look like. Not all of them, but it definitely showed me so many different sectors and parts to these large brands that I love so much because they would post their jobs on there. It would show me the descriptions and show me how much they're being paid to do these things hybrid, remote, and also the amount of people within the teams as well. So you can see what aspect of the creative process you want to be a part of and then how far it can take you in each particular place. So I think remembering that LinkedIn can be your Google for jobs is perfect. And I think in all ways, whether that's for pay or what jobs even exist before you start applying, I think that's super important. But beyond that, in terms of actually landing things, it, again, is a record of everything you've done. So once you start on LinkedIn, you put all of your previous internships, jobs, where you've been at, what colleges you've been to, you continue to update that as you go along. And so you just keep adding and adding. You end up having a long list of things to showcase. And so when you have that, you have easy apply as well on LinkedIn, where some jobs, you don't even have to do the job board separate website situation. You can apply with your profile. And I think that's another thing to keep in mind alongside your resume, which is a PDF that you might have, or your portfolio. Your LinkedIn is not just that record, but also you can put really short updates on there. It's truly social media. You can make posts and talk about the different things that you've done, or you just did, wrote this piece. Maybe that piece doesn't exist on a resume because it's not from a formal job. Maybe you did like a freelance opportunity, but because it's on your profile, that's already a part of your application and your materials. People get to see the in-between of those jobs and the in-between of what you've been doing in the meantime. So remembering that similar to Instagram, which I personally use for portfolio work, LinkedIn is just another version of that, but more formal for like a corporate side, I think. Okay. so. In today's world, we have TikTok influencers and Instagram baddies, but what would someone who wants to grow on LinkedIn post? What's funny is that I'm seeing for sure they're actually like LinkedIn influencers and as they should. I think I've seen creators use their platforms to post other job opportunities that they find, which can be really helpful. But I think you have to define what you mean by growth first. Does growth mean for you that you want to be an influencer creator within the space of the job market and helping people land things? Or are you looking for growth in terms of the connections that you have and who you 
are connected with on LinkedIn or you want to be seen by recruiters or people who are looking for people in your space. So I think first define what growth means to you. For me personally, that's just about my reach and also the people seeing my profile. So for me, in terms of what I would post would be the articles that I get to do, the coverage that I get to do for Vogue or for Hype Bay, et cetera. Those are the things that I would do to showcase what I'm doing in the meantime. So it's not just a static profile that shows, okay, you've done all these jobs, but people like to see examples. So I think posts are really where you can show that. I've done updates when I got awards or when I've done things cool in school that I haven't been able to show in another way. I think it's about leveraging the different features that LinkedIn has to do that. And I think posts are a good way too. Got it. So next up, I'm curious, how have you seen people our age use LinkedIn in a creative way? Bug one of my classmates, Angel. I've seen her recently start to post her own like hot takes on things or just like ways that people should be working within the space. And I've seen this across the board in terms of people older than us as well, or more so like within their late 20s or 30s. I personally love seeing like the social media marketers posting their memes on there because they're so relatable. Like things talking about how social media is not just a one person job or like things that PR girls say and things like that. Like they're relatable content that is also still on topic with what people are dealing with on a day-to-day, whether you're employed or you've done the job already. So I think those have been fun ways that I've seen people post. But I think in terms of using your own profile, I still love to see people take their profile more in the creative artsy way. So there's like ways that you can take your headshots or like the banner on your profile, stuff like that, that kind of showcases a little more personality. But of course you want it to still be professional in a way. So it's like a nice balance and mix there. Right. And I've seen a lot of people our age take vulnerability in a creative way. And so being very blunt and honest on LinkedIn, on social posts, talking about fair wages and equal pay and just being honest and open about the workforce at large. And so that's been really interesting to see pop up on LinkedIn because it's so quote unquote professional. What key pieces of information should someone be featuring on their LinkedIn and other platforms to ensure that they're selling themselves and their skills in the best way? Yes, you can post the jobs that you've done, but what have you actually done while you're there? I think one thing that I've continued to learn to do is to update my job descriptions as I've gone along where I can showcase the highlights. So I worked at Tiadeola for a time. And one thing that I made sure to put on there is that one of my reels hit 50K. Like those things are like key moments and key highlights that you want to use to show off your skills and what you've been able to achieve during your time there. So talk about the projects, name the brands that you're able to collaborate with. All those things are really great ways to demonstrate that, yes, you have the fancy name and it's a big company, but what did you actually achieve while you're there, I think is really important. And then one thing also that you can do is leave a kudos on people's pages too, which I think is a feature people don't use too often, but I feel like that'd be a good way to back your friends or people that you've worked with and give them the I guess, external validation that they may need for like a recruiter or somebody else to reinforce the skills that you have. 
But I think that those are a few ways to do that. Interesting. What red flags or things one should avoid having on their LinkedIn? Oh my goodness. Things not to have. Oh my gosh. Okay. This is me being picky, but also I'm a photographer and a perfectionist. So I'm going to just say your headshots, please don't let them be selfies. Please let them not be a baddie picture. We know you look good. That's right. great. But LinkedIn is not the place for that. Make sure you can seek out someone to get your headshots done. Maybe me. But, you know, make sure that you have a really nice, clean headshot for that. I think that's one of the first initial things. And then I just like to see a profile that's really thought out and flushed out. It's easy to put the jobs. It's easy to put the titles, etc. But without clear descriptions that are also really short and concise, sometimes it feels like overload or that you're trying to fluff it up without it necessarily being informational. I think, again, that goes down to refining your resume as you go along, which is a skill. Honestly, it's very hard to do. But I think one that's really clear and to the point, especially considering the fact that for a lot of job applications, they only take one page resumes, which can be super hard. So really think about and be intentional with what is going on there. In addition to LinkedIn, what other platforms have been helpful to you for networking? Instagram, I'm sorry, is that girl. Like I have been able to use that as a way to connect with other creatives that I really am inspired by and follow up their work and just continue to be surrounded digitally with people that inspire me, people that I want to get to know more, people in the space that I'm really interested in. And through just continuing to consume their own works and get to know them digitally, I'd be able to see them at events and be like, oh, I know you, you do this. I'm really inspired by your latest post about this or your latest photo project about this. And so there are ways that you can follow through with that in real life and really get to connect with these people. So I think following intentionally is really, really critical. And then also one thing that I was glad I found out about is that if you go to the production companies who have been working on projects or production companies that work within the field, they will post the products that they worked on as well as every single person that has been on the project. And this kind of speaks to a larger issue about crediting creators and make sure that you're tagging people in posts so that people can promote themselves and get more opportunities off of that. But seek out the people who actually worked on the projects whether that's through photographers, directors, production companies, or even the credits on an article, that's really where you can find who you really need to know about. It's not always about who's in the campaign, but who made that campaign happen. So I think Instagram, the tags, credits, captions are really the place to be to really come to understand how big the industry is and also who you should really know about. Right. So basically pay more attention to the captions. Okay. Okay. Many of us are thinking about what it means to be professional in 2024, and we're seeing more and more members of Gen Z pushing back against the notions of professionalism, like having to look a certain way, talk a certain way to score a job. How do you strike a balance between professionalism while also keeping your identity intact? Because I'm in a creative field, there's a little bit more flexibility. So I am going to have a different perspective on it. But I think that firstly, you need to define what professionalism 
means or looks like. And to me, professionalism is more about character and how you carry yourself and how you handle situations on the job or related to the job more so than personality per se, which can vary by person and want to make sure again that you are remembering that people are people and we have different ways of being and being cognizant of that. So I think professionalism to me in the workplace is more so about proactivity. It's about communication and being able to keep that up. Deadlines, meeting those deadlines and being cognizant of those, being able to be a good team player, all these different things that can show up on how you actually achieve on the job. Whereas your personality, what you're into, where you were raised, how that informs your identity is so separate from that. So I think you can't really necessarily change, at least for me, I can't fake things, but I still know that there's time and a place for everything too. So it's also like a balance of what you talk about on the job versus not, I think, is really where you start to see that difference or where you need to have that separation of identity, per se. But especially being in a creative field, I come into work wearing the Pierre Moss shoes and the Hanifa skirt and whatever, because these are brands that I love or people that I want to pour back into in terms of the stuff that I wear. But of course, again, there's logistics around how people show up and dress in the workplace. But I think, again, it's a time and place thing rather than having to change your identity. I think I also appreciate our generation for kind of noticing these differences and wanting to make the separation so that people can still live their best lives and really just showcase their personality in that way. But I think it can also just be something that is a plus rather than a minus. I think. What I've done in job interviews is that when I speak to HR, you're very professional. You choose very carefully what you speak about, et cetera. But then sometimes you get to talk to like the creative director or one of the photographers on the team. And then you can actually have a sidebar about somebody else that you love and create a field. Or I also talked to one of my bosses at an internship right now about topicals in Hanifa. And we just spoke about that for half the interview. So There's ways that you can still have your personality live within the workplace, but it's just about knowing time and place for certain topics over others. I love it. Hi, I'm Zaria Taylor, and I'm the TBG podcast production intern. We'll return to Jaina right after the break. Attention all last-minute shoppers. Just a reminder that Mother's Day is May 12th. And if you're like me, you're still trying to figure out the perfect gift for the amazing moms in your life. But no worries, Macy's has got you covered. They've got gift guides to make shopping a breeze. Whether you're looking for the perfect pieces for your fashionista mom or for your best friend who's celebrating her very first Mother's Day this year, you can shop by price, by category, and they even have specialty lists to help focus you even more, like a list for the mom who has it all and a list of items that are already wrapped and ready to be gifted. Right now, some of this year's hottest items include digital picture frames and Polaroid cameras. With the help of their gift guides, I'm sure you'll find just the right thing. Head on over to Macy's.com slash gift finder for the perfect inspiration for Mother's Day. You may be aware that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies and life-saving measures. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? You, along with the American Red Cross, regardless of your blood type, 
can help by donating blood. Every day, our blood saves lives and eases the pain for those living with sickle cell. When you donate blood, there is a direct positive impact within our community. Right now, there is great need for blood donations in the African-American community. Every donation counts and makes a difference in someone's life. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Many people feel anxious when they think about finances. It can feel overwhelming, stressful, and even hopeless, especially when you're first starting out and don't know what to do. But when you have a solid financial plan in place, this anxiety turns into confidence. You can regain a sense of control over your life and improve your self-esteem. How do you build financial confidence? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You've worked with some amazing companies like Hypebeast and Greenpoint Pictures. Tell us about a favorite project you've worked on that's also foundational to you as a creative. Goodness, this is like six years of stuff I have to like cycle <laughs> through. Man, I will say, I'm going to throw it back. I'm throwing it back to 2018. I worked with Barney's New York on a lookbook slash campaign where I basically got to take their clothes and do an ode to my great-grandmother's immigrant story and just her entire life story. And I just got to choose everything from who was doing hair and makeup and who was helping me with lighting and all of that stuff. I got to have a hands-on experience in production before I even knew what the word production meant and just getting to choose and have full creative freedom with that project. That's like one of my favorite projects to reference because it was intimate, it was personal, it was also heavily within the editorial space obviously had to do with fashion as that was what we were shooting but I also got to include like my aunt was in it too so it was a personal but still fashion editorial story which I think is the perfect example of where my work lives it's this blend and mix of everything so I think that project is always gonna have a special place in my heart and I think that's the one okay period I love it (laughs) what are your top three tips for impressing in an internship How do you make a lasting impact on your employer? Proactivity. That's my biggest thing. And that shows up in a bunch of different ways, whether that is you following up on something that you had questions about or following up on something that you were interested in. You weren't given that task, but you want to be a part of it. There's that kind of showing that you're there and showing that you're present, that you're listening is something that I think encompasses that proactivity, which shows people that you are serious about the job, but that you also see the potential in some other things as well, which kind of showcases how hungry you are. So I think proactivity for sure. Communication too. I know it's very, very, very simple, but it's also like the solution to almost everything. (laughs) I think 
communicating early and ahead of time. And also, again, being proactive with your communication is something that shows off professionalism in a way because you're anticipating issues, you're anticipating and letting people know in advance. And it's also about keeping and holding other people in regard to you're not sure how your own actions or what you do or don't do are going to affect the other people who are also working alongside you. So giving them that heads up ahead of time or letting them know about conflicts or letting them know that, hey, I am going to be on time with that thing you asked me to do. It just shows that you are being, again, proactive and you're thinking of other people in that way to make sure that you guys all are working together as a team and can meet whatever it is that you're trying to hit. Third thing, oh man, getting to know people, but not just up, also across. Issa Rae said it best. I feel like we've been quoting her on this for a few years now, but I think getting to know the other people in your department or people in other departments has been something that is not just useful in terms of showing the employer that you are invested in a place, understand not only what your role is better, but also other roles you might be interested in. I think, again, we talked about LinkedIn being a great research tool, but I think talking to other departments and seeing what that work looks like has really been helpful for me in understanding what other ways can I be creative that still showcase and align with things that I want to do. So there are like different ways that you can do that. But I think proactivity is the number one for sure. I was going to fully agree with productivity. That's something that my professor told me freshman year of college. And I was like, yeah, like, okay, whatever. Like I'll be productive. And, but it really didn't hit me until I was in my senior year that I really understood what that looks like and actually how to live a productive life. So I really, I fully agree that productivity is number one for sure. I'm curious, what is your biggest piece of advice for aspiring Black creatives? Create for yourself and create with others. I think a lot of people come up to me asking, how can I work with this brand or how can I get this person to notice me? And honestly, so much of what you do in your own free time and just for yourself and the things that you create with your friends and building your portfolio on your own is what people come to you for. So don't necessarily rush having to have worked with everybody before you think that you can call yourself a creative or invest in creating multiple times over. I think that's one thing. It's very, very simple just to make work, but I think it's really critical because, again, I came into this industry, one, didn't know I was coming into this industry, honestly, without connections, without knowing what like a PR team is, not knowing what producers are, like any of that. But I was creating in my free time and through the programs that I was in. So I was getting to just make art and then because I made art and I made art that I was passionate about and that no one was necessarily asking me to do, people saw my eye and saw my eye in practice through these projects. And that's how people start to notice. And also, I think I've also said this is my big advice I'm now remembering, is to keep posting your work and keep doing the work because you don't know who's watching, truly. I've had opportunities come in my inbox, which most of my opportunities to this point have just been people emailing me. And 
it almost makes no sense. Like, how did you find me? Why me? But it's again, because if you promote yourself well enough on Instagram, on LinkedIn, especially, you never know who is actually following up with your journey. It might not show up in your follower account. It might not show up in who requests you to be connections, but I'm telling you, you need to keep doing it and keep showcasing it. Right. I love that. It's a lovely gem that she just dropped. Now for a moment of reflection, what professional opportunities are you speaking into existence for yourself in 2024? I'm going to find a job in brand partnerships. I'm going to find a space for myself within marketing and production I'm going to have my work on a billboard somewhere. I'm going to work on another campaign. I'm bringing all these things into this year. And I'm going to do another speaking engagement somewhere. It's going to happen. Bring that in for this year. Okay, period. I love all of these things and I'm manifesting it for you as well. We all are. So period. Where can we keep up with you? What are your social media handles? On Instagram, I'm at the Denise Stephanie. LinkedIn, Denise Stephanie Hewitt. Find me on there. And we've been trying to do a little TikTok. We'll see. But she's at the Denise Stephanie as well. We'll see if I really keep up with it. But it's there. Okay, well, we're going to check the TikTok out. Thank you so much, Denise, for talking with me today. I really appreciate all the gems that you had for us. They were amazing. And yeah, thank you for talking with me. Thank you. I want to thank Denise once again for joining us for this episode. Class is over for now, but before we dismiss, take the following affirmations from my conversation home with you. My dream internship is within my reach. I have the ability to secure the job I want without sacrificing all the things that make me, me. I don't have to choose between my career commitments and my academic commitments. I have the ability to balance both while still making time for self-care. To learn more about the work Denise is doing or to do more research on this topic, be sure to visit therapyforblackgirls.com slash tbgu. This episode was produced by Frida Lucas, Elise Ellis, and Zaria Taylor. Editing is by Denison L. Bradford. You may have heard that most people who are Black have O-type blood. O is commonly needed for emergencies. But did you know one in three of us is a match for patients with sickle cell disease? Regardless of blood type, every day our blood saves lives and eases the pain of those living with sickle cell. Donate blood at Red Cross to help save a life. Black excellence is in our blood. Visit redcrossblood.org slash ourblood to make an appointment now. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. 
Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.